So, all right, so if we are this morning again, we are in this season of Advent. And so i got to put this over here, Josiah, if you don't mind, because I can't see your face. And so i just got to be able to see it, bro. Um, and so in the context of this season, it is Advent. I've already named that. We're in the season of Advent. And Advent here, this, Advent really speaks about preparation for the coming. Preparation for someone who's coming, right? And so the idea this morning is we want to focus on this idea of preparation. I want you to hear this. We're going to talk about preparation, but I want you to think about it specifically in the context of your own life. And I want to begin here. When I was thinking about preparation in general, I began thinking about athletes, right? And specifically, honestly, I was thinking about Olympic athletes, because Olympic athletes, obviously, they have natural ability. They are born with natural ability that enables them. If they then spend time investing into preparation, they can literally become the best in the world at what they do. I I was thinking about Michael Phelps, right, the the most medaled Olympian in the history of the Olympics, right? And here's this guy, obviously natural ability, but he so devoted himself to his preparation. He so invested himself into this, this work that went into becoming the best, right, that he literally became just this beast in the swimming pool. And I think about it in the context, even if, as he prepares for a race, have you seen him? I mean, he's this scary he looks like he's going to murder somebody, literally, right? He's just sitting there with that scowl on his face. I don't know, this like plastic beanie on his head, whatever it is. He's got his earbuds in, right? He's just sitting there shaking his muscles that I don't have, right? He's just doing his thing, right? It's just crazy. I'm like, that guy, he's literally, what's he doing? He's preparing himself for the race. He's spent his entire life preparing, right? Have you really thought about, listen, think about runners. They, like the guys who run like the 100 meters, they literally prepare every single day of their life to run for about 10 seconds. I just feel bad for those guys. Right. But no, they're literally they're literally in preparation, giving themselves wholeheartedly and completely. So literally in that moment, he spent all this time of prep. He's still in the moment. What's he doing? He's devoting himself to preparing in that moment for the race, literally envisioning everything he's going to do mentally focused, giving his energies, everything he has to focusing on what he's about to do. And so as we come into this season of Advent, again, like every, every year, we're focusing on this idea, well, along with the worldwide Christian church, on this idea of focusing on preparation for the coming of Jesus in our life, right? The idea that we want to give ourselves to fighting against the distractions of our world and honestly fighting against the distractions of the season. So as a reminder for those of you who have been part of Vintage for a long time, maybe for those of you who are new, I want to kind of give you a little history on Advent. In the 4th and 5th century, there was, a, the, the, there was a season, a time of preparation for those who were getting baptized. So people were getting baptized and they would literally spend... 40 days, right? They would embrace 40 days of spiritual preparation. And they would embrace it through repentance, right? Turning from distractions and turning from sin and then turning towards Jesus. Remember, repentance is not just turning away from something. It's primarily turning towards Jesus, right? And so as the season of kind of recognizing distractions, recognizing sin, recognizing all of these things, and then turning towards Jesus, this season of preparation was a time of, of intentional prayer, right? Giving themselves to Jesus. And it was a, a time of intentional fasting, right? 
fasting these things, these distractions in their lives so they could go feast on Jesus. Right? So it's a time of letting go of the world and then focusing all of their attention on Jesus. And it wasn't just those who were getting baptized. That was the really cool thing. Like he, they would literally, the entire church would come alongside of those who were getting baptized. It was almost like every time there was this baptism happening, every single person would stop for 40 days in a season of, of repentance, in a season of prayer, in a season of fasting for the sole purpose of preparing themselves as they had done when they were getting baptized themselves, right? Preparing themselves for the movement of Jesus in their life. So then we shift into the 6th century. In the 6th century, the early church began to, to shift away from this preparation at baptism, and it began to connect itself to the Christmas season, right? It was a focusing, it was, an, it was a, a season of Advent of focusing on and preparing ourselves, not just for the first coming of Jesus, but it was a season of focusing on the second coming of Jesus, Advent in the Christmas season was not about focusing on the first coming, the first Christmas with Jesus. It was ultimately about a people preparing themselves and focusing on the second coming of Jesus. Because it was just because this very simple reason, the people had become so diluted by the culture around them that they had lost their fervency and their faith walk with Jesus. Does that sound like any culture that you know of? Right? They had become so deluded by the context of the world and the culture that they lived in. Man, we have to adopt this whole, like, this whole Advent thing, right? And, and focus on the second coming of Jesus because everybody knows, it's real simple. If you knew that Jesus was coming back tomorrow 100%, it would change how you live today. And so he's saying, so they're saying, let's every day set aside a season of Advent, a season of preparation that we would then recognize our need to prepare ourselves for the second coming of Jesus. Because it could be any time and at any moment. I want to live spiritually ready and prepared. So they embrace in the Advent season, in this season, a season of repentance, of turning away from and turning towards Jesus, a season of incredible communication, interaction in prayer with God and they would have a beautiful time of, of fasting from distractions in the world so they go feast on the reality of Jesus' presence in their life. That's the idea of Advent. So it's not just some boring liturgical thing that we do in the church with all sorts of readings and repeating stuff. No, it's about you recognizing Jesus may come tomorrow. Because if he came at Christmas and he said he would come again, then let's live like we believe it because it could be tomorrow. That is Advent. And that should get you a little bit fired up. Like you should just all follow Kevin. You know what I'm saying? I mean, he gets all fired up, man. If he says amen, they say just follow. Yeah, amen, right? Because this is something to get fired up about. This is the season. You recognizing with everybody else. We, with the secret, we all have distractions and sin in our life. You're not the only one. And so if you have them and we all have them, then let's just together, let's just set aside the season to say, he, if he came, he'll come again. Let's get ourselves ready. Let's prepare ourselves for the reality of his coming in our life. That's why we focus on Advent for this season. 
We live and we want to live. We want to remind ourselves to live in anticipation. He's coming. Let's live like it's happening tomorrow. Therefore, this morning, if you give me grace, <clears throat> we're going to stop and have these awkward moments, right? Where we're really silent. I want you to know I'm always I'm always comfortable in silence in our in our gatherings. I hope you are too. I'm not uncomfortable ever up here. And so, in that, unless I like make some sort of like gaseous noise, that gets kind of awkward. But that's happened. So anyway, so all that to say, this morning we want to stop. Okay, we want to stop. So if you're sitting next to somebody with your arm around who you love them, I saw that. Sorry, Scott. I want you to take your arm back, right, and put it right here, right in front of you, okay? Thank you. Okay? I want you to get into a comfortable posture of receiving and of engaging, okay? And here's what we're going to do this morning. We're just going to spend some time with Jesus. I think you all know that you need Jesus more than you need my sermon, right? So if I can just lead you to Jesus and spend time with him in this time, it's been a productive morning. So everyone kind of just take a deep breath in. Exhale. I want you to do your best job centering. Don't make a joke with somebody next to you. Just engage Jesus. This is his time. Don't give it to somebody else. Okay? Engage Jesus this morning. And we're going to take a couple steps this morning. The first thing I want you to do is I want you to think about the nature of repentance. Keep your eyes closed. I want you to think about the nature of repentance. This idea of like turning away from distractions turning away from the sin that easily entangles. I want you to think about turning from those and turning towards Jesus. And then an honest prayer this morning, I'm going to take 30 seconds. I just want you to do this. It's just one simple thing. I don't want you to do anything else except I want you to be honest before the Lord. I want you to name the things that you know you need to leave behind this morning. I want you to think about your busyness, your muchness, your manyness, your distractions. I want you to think about the sin that so easily hinders you. I want you just to simply be honest. So for 30 seconds, in this place of repentance, I want you to allow God to put his finger on the things of your life that are hindering you from the life that Jesus has for you. So just name them. Go. Now, we've got this time of being honest. This is going to be a time now of movement, where we move away from these distractions. So again, before the Lord, no one around you, just you, I want you to take some time in communication and prayer, not guilt leading this, not condemnation, just thankfulness. God, thank you for putting your finger on that. That was killing me. I, I don't want to live in that. I want to move forward. So just take a time of thanking him for Give them the space to be honest. And then in prayer, I want you to make a commitment to begin preparing yourself and pursuing him. Have that honest conversation of relationship, of, of what you're desiring and what you're committing to in this season.
go. So this morning as we move forward, I I want you to remember this moment because some of you were thinking to yourself, man, it's been a while since I've done this. I think I need more of this. So I want you to remember some of you are like, I just wish Stephen stopped speaking because I just want to stay here for a while. But the beautiful thing is you have the rest of your life to engage this as a primary tool in your life. And I want to say this, I want to just make an invitation. This Advent season, the season of preparation and the work of the Lord in your life, you need more of this. Like the greatest way to let Jesus do a work in your life is number one, just stopping to be honest. Honest with yourself, honest with Jesus, and maybe you haven't even confessed and be honest with other people. Breakthrough in your life begins with honesty. And then as you sit before the Lord and hear this, this is really important. If you're sitting there going, oh my gosh, I'm such a terrible person. Oh my gosh, God's so angry with me. That's not the Lord. You come before the Lord and say, God, I am so sorry. But thank you that you put your finger on this. And thank you that you've given me your power to move away from it. And thank you, God, that you have relationship with you as my destination. And God, that's where I want to go. And in this season, let's make it a time of being honest, of leaving, and of feasting on the beauty and the love that Jesus has for each of us. So, now we get to move forward. You've taken your hearts and your minds this morning, and you've taken a unique and powerful step towards Jesus. And it's the beginning. It's just the beginning of diving into the preparation of what God wants to do in this season of Advent. And this morning, we want to focus on Jesus as our hope. So can we just press pause for a second? Doesn't this morning now just feel different? Do you feel that? Like, do you, did you, like, I literally, in my spirit, y'all, I'm just going to kind of tell you what I saw. So I, we had that moment, and I literally just sensed the peace of God speak and move. And, and I, I was sitting here this morning, and I just felt this in all of you, right? I, I sensed this, like that movement, the spinning, right? We sat down, you engaged, you know what happened? It went, and that needs to be every day. Because it's beautiful when those things happen. So, let's dive in this morning. Jesus, as our hope, you have your Bibles. You can turn to a very, very familiar Advent scripture. I'll be reading from Matthew chapter 12 
18 through 21, I'm reading the NIV, it says this. Matthew is speaking. Here's the, he's quoting, he's quoting uh, Isaiah. He's quoting Isaiah here, uh, just uh, Isaiah's prophetic statement about the Messiah. And so Matthew's just quoting it in reference to Jesus. He says, here is my servant whom I have chosen, the one I love in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him and he will proclaim justice. To the nations. He will not quarrel or cry out. No one will hear his voice in the streets. That was to um, literally Matthew was speaking that because Jesus had just tell, told the thousands, listen, you're calling me the Messiah, but don't tell anybody. It's not yet time for everyone to know who I am. I'm trying to be silent. I'm not trying to listen. This is huge. I'm not here to make a big name for myself yet. I'm not making a big fuss about me. Right. I just not quite yet. I just want you to shh. <laughs> right? He's our little secret, all thousand, fifteen thousand of us, right? And so he's our little secret. And so he's saying, Hey, listen, he will not quarrel or cry out, no one will hear his voice in the streets. He's trying to be quiet here. A bruise this is it, I love this. A bruised reed, those who are struggling, and a smoldering wick, he will not snuff out, right? Till he has brought justice through to victory. And I love this verse. In his name the nations will put their hope. In his name the nations will put their hope. So this week again, Advent, the season of preparation, this focus on hope is happening worldwide, right? It's the, it's the week where we focus on the dreams, the hope, and the desires that define our world, our lives, and the lives of those who are in it. And here in these verses, right, again, Matthew is responding to the ministry of Jesus. He's responding to those who are following him. He's highlighting this in these verses. And ultimately, I think in verse 21... My opinion, verse 21 is kind of this linchpin. He's saying, all everyone recognize, Jesus is our hope. He's the hope for the nations. And so this linchpin of reality for every follower, the linchpin of, is this idea of hope. Jesus is hope for every single person who is following him. Why else would thousands of people, let's just say it's like 5,000 men, most of them are married, 5,000 women and their children. So let's just say 15,000 people, right? These thousands of people are following him. And we all know, listen, there is nothing comfortable or easy about traveling with packs of thousands of people, right? There's nothing comfortable about, think about it, thousands, people, men, women, children, young, elderly. They're, listen, they're all clamoring for time with one man. They're all claiming, they're all wanting his attention. Like, I know people get in church and they get frustrated. Well, I just want to know the pastor. I'm like, imagine if you were the 15,000 following Jesus. You didn't even have text or email back then. That's hard, right? So they're still clamoring just for hopes to see him. They're in this moment struggling. The only reason anyone would do it, because their need and their desire was so great, and their hope in Jesus was so strong. The only reason they would go through all of this is because their need and their desire was so great and their hope in Jesus was so strong. Hope defined. Hope is defined as the confident expectation that something we are anticipating will happen or someone we are anticipating will come. Right? It's on the screen. Please put it up there for me. I want you to see this hope. It's defined as confident expectation that something that we are anticipating will happen. Or someone that we're anticipating will come. The primary language of hope, biblically speaking, is an idea of confident expectation. Confident expectation. 
But we have to recognize something first. Hear this. Hope is only required in situations of need. Hope is only required in situations of need. Hope must begin with the lack of something. You can't hope for something or someone if you already possess it. So a confident expectation has to be in the context of something that we don't yet possess, but that we're longing for. That's the nature of hope. So for this masses following Jesus, they were, they were hoping for a Messiah. They had confident expectation of a Messiah, a Savior, one who would come and would make broken things whole, politically, spiritually, and physically. They were following him because they were personally aware of the brokenness that defined their lives and the world around them. They followed Jesus with the confident expectation, the hope of him making things right. Confident expectation. Does that define our lives? Does that define your life? Do you live with an anticipation and this is expectancy, the movement of God with confidence that it's going to happen? What was the source of their hope? Like, what can we learn from them? Like, what would cause 15,000 people with confident expectation of this person being Messiah? What would be the source of their hope? And I would say this. Their source of hope is the history of God's faithfulness. Their source of hope is the history of God's faithfulness. It's important to recognize in this moment, right? They didn't own televisions. They didn't own iPads, computers, or smartphones. They didn't have all of these things to act as distractions in their evenings. What did they have? Hear this. They simply had storytellers. They simply had storytellers. They would literally gather around the, the, the living room and the fire and someone in the home who was probably the definite storyteller because they had the best voice and they had the best storytelling mind, right? Would sit down and they would say, tell us the story, tell us the story. And they would tell the story, familiar stories, right? Of Moses delivering the people, the Israelites from the Egyptian rule. They would celebrate the, the crossing of the Red Sea. They would tell the story of Elijah defeating all the prophets of Baal and Jezebel herself. All the kids would go, tell us the story of David and Goliath. We love that one best, right? They would tell the story of Noah literally saving the world, right? Saving the people. They would tell the story of Nehemiah who had been living in captivity in Babylon for seven years and God raising him up to take people back to Jerusalem that was their real home. Every night, every day, they would just tell story after story after story of God's faithfulness, right? They would tell stories of God's movement and the difficulty of their life. They would tell stories because why? Because all of them, if you think about you know history, it was never easy for the people of God. Never. They always lived under oppressive rule. They always lived in the early church with the expectation of martyrdom and of being killed. There was nothing easy. So in the midst, listen, can you, can, you, can you imagine their hardship and then kind of put yourself into it, your own hardships, your own brokenness, your own difficulties, your own disillusionment, your own moments of lost hope. They had it, they had it in spades, man. It was like it was everywhere. 
And every day they say, oh my gosh, we don't want to be distracted. Just tell us again the stories of hope. Tell us the stories again of when God fulfilled his promise to move among his people in the midst of their brokenness. Just tell us the story one more time. What was their source of confident expectation in the middle of their life of hell? The history of God's faithfulness. The history of God's story. The moment, right, of God intervening, fighting for and breaking through for his children. They had hope because God is a promise keeper and he is faithful. For us, hope is possible Because of our own knowledge of God's faithfulness. If God were not and had not been faithful since the beginning of time, then we could not place our hope and faith in him. But we are able to trust him, have confidence in him, and believe in him because he has done what he said he would do. Listen, maybe not in our timing, but in his perfect timing. We want things now, and Jesus looks at journeys. So in this season of Advent, just like the followers of Jesus in the 6th century, we are using this season to prepare our hearts for the fullness of Jesus in our lives because we live in a season of being deluded by the culture in which we live. We do this this morning. How? By focusing on the hope we have in Christ because of his faithfulness. We You are the ones who possess hope that Jesus will intervene in our broken areas of life and that in time he will return to make it take us home, right? We believe this because God's a promise keeper. We know his story. We know the biblical stories. We could tell them again and again, but hear this, that just as important is we know our own life stories. We know our own life stories. We know the moments of our own lives, that we were going through difficulty, and God sent breakthrough. That God intervened. That God spoke into a moment in the context of our life, and He intervened. He brought breakthrough. He promised to be with us in His difficulties. We know God's faithfulness because of His faithfulness to us. Maybe it didn't come right when you wanted it. Maybe it was a much tougher journey than you thought you deserved even. But somewhere along the way, he intervened. And we're standing today, and we have life, and we're making, we look back and we go, my gosh, I can't believe I just went through that. The greatest danger of humanity is our forgetfulness. Did you hear that? I just made it up. Thank you, Jesus. That was from him. Man, the greatest danger in our walk with Jesus is our forgetfulness. We forget what he's done. We forget how he moves, right? For some reason, our culture today is unbelievably fickle asking, well, what are you going to do for me today, God? Like yesterday is not enough. You better just today or I'm not going to follow you. we be frustrated, right? Because we forget everything that we have and everything that God's done that we need to be grateful for in this season. Hear this. In this season, we have to stop and be aware of every movement of God in our life and in our families. We must 
remember the stories of God's faithfulness. I mean, I'll never forget, man. This is going to like, this is going to sound so cheesy, but do you remember watching Lion King and Mufasa in the clouds? So awkward going with like, what is his name? James Earl Jones. Remember. Right? Remember. <laughs> I'm like, yes, you're Mufasa's kid. Don't forget it. Go back and take your place as the son of the king. I mean, do you feel it? Man, it's like, remember, we live in these stories because we've forgotten. It's the greatest danger, our forgetfulness. We must remember the stories of God's faithfulness. We must magnify those things so that Jesus increases in our view and everything else decreases. For when we tell these stories of faithfulness, hope is birthed inside of us. I mean, if you didn't understand any of that, all I'm saying is this. You've forgotten how God moved. Don't forget. Don't be like the Israelites. You remember the story? Complaining because God did something yesterday, but today is hard again. Where are you, God? I mean, you know, go read it. It's so annoying. They're so immature. Do you know who they sound like? Me and you. I've been around you. I know what you sound like. Right? You know what your friends sound like. We live, listen, if you can't think of the last time you sat down and were defined by gratefulness in comparison to how much you remember the things you're frustrated about and are critical about, then that's a problem. If your life is not primarily like, let's just make up a percentage, 90% about gratefulness and thankfulness, then you're out of balance, you've lost sight of God, you've lost sight of His faithfulness, you've lost sight of hope. Okay, good news. You can shift. How do you do it? By practicing what you practiced a second ago of slowing down, of repenting, of prayer, and of feasting on the goodness of Jesus. I mean, that's why, I mean, like, to, you know, like in the business world, it's not just a Christian thing. Do you know that your boss does not like hiring critical people? You know why? Because they're annoying. How many of you are business owners of some sort, people who are underneath you? Raise your hand pretty high, please. I want you to see it. How many of you, how many of you love hiring massive complainers? <laughs> Nobody. See how prophetic I am right now? It's like, no, it's common sense. We have to magnify those things that are positive, they're good, things we're grateful, God's stories of faithfulness, that Jesus increases. We know people have been with Jesus when thankfulness and gratefulness define their primary communication with their friends and their family. This is the season of Advent, of intentionally setting aside our natural abilities to become the Michael Phelps of the world with those like jiggling muscles. You know what I'm talking about, man? I want those muscles in the spirit. I'm not going to have it this side of heaven, right? But man, I want to have them in my spirit, man. Like I want to like prepare myself. Gratefulness, thankfulness. So, man, I'm just like totally diving into that point. So 
Um, where am I? Let me speak up. So step one. So step one. Remind yourself every day of God's faithfulness, his breakthrough, his words of love and conviction, his movement in your life and his blessings. Right. That's step number one. Do the repentance thing. Do the whole prayer thing. Do the fasting thing. And then step one. Remind yourself every day of God's stories of faithfulness, God's stories of breakthrough, God's words of love and conviction, his movement in your life. Remember every day his blessings. So that you increase in hope. But here's the interesting caveat then about hope. Hear this. We're not just recipients of hope. We're not just receivers of hope. Primarily in the kingdom, we are also carriers of hope for others who are waiting for the promise of God's breakthrough to come in their lives. Right? Listen, we get to be the storytellers of God's faithfulness. Everywhere that you go, people are complaining, critical, overwhelmed, hating life. Do you know anybody who's lost hope barely making it? And are you aware that God placed you in their life to be the primary storyteller of God's hope and of faithfulness? You get to be the one who brings hope. The Advent season and Christmas is not just about you receiving the gift of God. It's about you receiving the gift of God so you can primarily take it to others. That's the nature of it. You are recipients of something that God's empowered you to give away. You are carriers of hope. We are the storytellers, right? When you're with people who are struggling, what is our response? It's real simple. Bring hope. You're the hope bringer. You're the hope speaker, right? This looks back to last week. Remember last week we talked about the invitation of Jesus to us? The invitation was really simple. He, the invitation that we talked about and the things that we engaged and went after in California, we went after, like, I mean, we received the invitation of Jesus to go and to lead people to him in salvation. We went to, to speak on behalf of God to those who are having a hard time hearing and speaking love and encouragement over them. That was the invitation, right? We have an invitation for Jesus to do that. We have an invitation from Jesus to lay hands on those who are in need of healing and to pray for them and to bring healing. Like we have an invitation from Jesus to bring hope to the hopeless. So this week, Yvonne Maver, Ashley's mom, she, Ashley's over here, right? At this point, there she is, right? Her mom. She sent me, she sent us a text. I think, I don't know what day it is. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, something like that. I just asked her permission to share the story. She said this. She said, I had a, this is last Saturday. Said, I had a dream last Saturday, it was eight days ago, about our widowed neighbor and his son. She said, I'd never met his son. The son was in the dream was weeping. He came to me for a hug and he just needed to be loved. She said, I was unsure if I should tell our neighbor, but after Steve's sermon, I took a chance. Don't you love that? Man, she took a chance. I'm like, mm, that's Jesus right there. No one takes a chance. They're empowered by God's spirit, right? She says, I took a chance. I took a chance to find myself. I just got all excited, right? It was unbelievable when I told him about my dream. I was prompted to ask a few questions. He stated that he had been thinking about his son and being a part of his life. They were kind of estranged, right? She says, the next day after I told him about my dream, he said he tossed and he turned all night. He said it was as if a light bulb turned on and opened his eyes, just as Steve said in his sermon. He was contemplating on giving up on any relationship with his son. But after I spoke with him, he was encouraged to move on. And work on the relationship. We were both in awe of God. God used me to speak to him, and I would have blown it off if I'd never heard Steve's sermon. This is huge. 
Someone who normally would have done something actually listened to one of my sermons, right? Can you believe it? And they were moved by that, and God used that, and they were used by God to proclaim truth. Why? Because they took a chance. Because they listened. They said, we've received this, but we're not going to keep it to ourselves. We're going to go and be a carrier of hope, right? She became a storyteller of God's faithfulness. And what happened? Hear this. Hope was birthed inside of him for the first time maybe in years. Why do we do Advent? Why do we do a season of preparation? Why do we intentionally take our natural abilities and invest wholeheartedly into them so they can grow in our life? So these stories happen. So step two in the season, it's real simple. Tell stories of God's faithful movement in your life. I don't literally mean that there's a, hey, can I tell you a story? No, I'm not saying that. I'm just going to say, be the one who's telling the stories of God's faithfulness, who is coming and speaking with gratefulness and thankfulness, the one who, when someone shares difficulties, you, you just lovingly come along and you speak hope into their life. Be the carrier of what God has done in your life. Look for, listen, let me just challenge you. Would you please look for those who, without hope, And carry it to them. I'm saying like I wake up every day with an intentionality of not looking at what someone of what someone needs to do for me. But how I can give something away to them. Let me give you just a real easy practice. Pay attention. When you come to church on Sunday. Listen. This is a step on somebody's toes, man. When you come to church on Sunday morning. Don't sit here and get frustrated when nobody's coming and talking to me. I guess I'm just not, it's just even my church. I mean, no one's being nice to me. Oh my gosh, I, I, ah, no one came and talked to me. Why don't you get up and talk to somebody? Why don't you get up and go? Why don't you actually engage? Why don't you be the carrier? Why don't you go to somebody because you have no idea what's happening to the person who's sitting next to you? You go. Stop looking for everyone to do for you and do unto others as you would have them do unto you. That's in the Bible. Let's be, we're recipients. Now let's be carriers. And guess what happens? Revival. It's real simple. God, when all of a sudden start, people start being, doing the things of Jesus, he just shows up in power. That's why we do Advent. This is the season of Advent. The season where we set aside time for preparation. We live our life as if Jesus is returning tomorrow. We're leaving distractions because why? We all have them. We all have them. We all have to do this. That's why it wasn't just those who were getting baptized in the 4th and 5th century. It was everyone. Because I go, man, that was a great season of my life. I want to leave my distractions. I want to prepare myself as if Jesus is returning tomorrow. I want to, listen, I want to and tell the stories of hope and of faithfulness, right? We are recipients of this hope. We are carriers of hope. Give yourself to this pursuit this morning. And let's just see what God does. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your presence. Lord, I just hope my, I hope that your message didn't get lost in my excited animation, God. 
And I just pray this morning, Jesus, that you would speak into people's lives, God, just maybe very quietly, because this is how you normally work, very quietly, cut into broken places, hopeless places, forgotten places, dark places, Lord. That you'd help someone, maybe be honest for the first time, that, wow, actually, I am the problem. Not everybody else I point to. No, I, it's actually me. I pray you would help us to embrace maturity, God, because immaturity points to others, but maturity always points to self. God, it's crazy. The business world has, has literally, and from good to great, Jim Collins literally embraced this incredible spiritual principle as the number one leadership principle. When things go poorly, I look in a mirror. When things are going well, it's like a window. In the mirror, I've recognized I have to own my stuff. But in the window, when things are going well, I point to others and say it's about them. And I pray, Jesus, today you just make us mature. Recognize we just need to own our own stuff and be carriers of hope, God. Be recipients of hope and then carriers. That you would help us this morning. So, Jesus, have your way in us in this Advent season. This is just the beginning of our journey. We're not finishing a journey. We're just starting it this morning in this season. But I pray for each person, God, that they would hear your voice this morning and say, give yourself to preparation and just watch what I'll do as we embrace and engage one another in intimate relationship. So, Father, have your way in us this morning. Praise Jesus. So I want to invite you to respond this morning again. As do every Sunday morning, we have offering baskets here. This is simply our expression of worship through the provision, financial provision that God's given us in tithes and offerings. Communion's available this morning. Communion is not just to be taken. Just listen, it's not just a remembrance, but it's a it is done to remember God's faithfulness, to recognize He's active and moving today. So we take is an active expression of believing again in God's faithfulness and the hope that comes from that. We'll have ministry teams available on both sides. And they just want to pray for you this morning. Is there anything going on in your life, broken places, lost hope, you just need prayer this morning? Maybe just pray for some people who are going in. It's in the darkest seasons of their life. We want to be carriers of hope. That's really what prayer ministry is about. We just want to be carriers of hope to speak life who responds the Lord leads. We're in no hurry, so we're just going to stay for a little bit and worship. I invite you, you can go back into a time with the Lord, that quiet place, and just be with Him. Or get prayer, come to the altar. It's always open. You can come, just maybe release.